You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Daw, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked on Kentucky, we are going to be diving in for the first time since the preseason. We're going to be diving into Joe Lenardi's bracketology. going to talk about what we need to take serious, what we need to disregard, and what we need to note just to kind of keep an eye on as the season continues to go along. Also, I said on a recent podcast that I was actually kind of excited about Kentucky's matchup in the Music City Bowl, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, Some recent developments have made me very quickly change my opinion on that. Uh, I think this could be one of the worst bowl games of all time in its own special kind of way. We're going to talk about that later on in the show and actually think it could be kind of fun. And then finally, we're going to talk about three positions of need for Kentucky football in the transfer portal. There's a lot of players out there that Kentucky could nab. There are some positions of need that the Wildcats definitely need some help at. So thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you are watching on YouTube, would like to ask, as I do at the beginning of every show, please subscribe to the channel. It would mean a ton to us here at Locked On Kentucky. All right, Bracketology. Who to take serious, what to disregard, and what to note. So I just want to start things off here by letting you know where the Wildcats are. They're currently projected to be a five seed in the NCAA tournament. Something that we want to say, I want to say right off the bat here is none of this is going to be the same. At least most of it is not going to be the same. By the time March actually rolls around, we've still got a full, almost a full four months to get through before we finally start to see what is going to happen with this bracket. A lot of things are going to move. A lot of things are going to shift. Some of the teams at the top that you see right now probably are not going to be at the same spot that they are come March. So there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking. And so I just want to say here, for the Wildcats specifically, they're probably not going to end up being a 5C. I say probably. We're going to talk about that after we get to some more info with this non-con slate. There are two games that I'm looking at in particular that are really interesting for the Wildcats coming up. That's a conversation for a later episode. But... The bracketology as it stands right now. We've got Houston and Texas, UConn and Purdue all as the one seeds. Something I want to note here. So this is what to note here. The projected number one and number two seeds. Houston, Texas, Purdue, UConn, Indiana, Virginia, Kansas, and Tennessee. What do those teams all have in common? They're all inside the top 30 in adjusted defensive efficiency. And all but one of them are inside the top 15. I want to kind of move this over to kind of talk about the Wildcats for a second. Does defense win championships? Maybe so. But I think the more important question we have to ask here is can Kentucky's defense win a championship? Obviously, the Wildcats, like I said, not in that one to two seed range because they've lost their two most important games of the season and they beat Michigan, which was a good, which was a good win, but not a particularly like outstanding victory. For the Wildcats. So can the Wildcats defense win them a title? Because of because uh, as of this recording, they are number four in the country in defensive efficiency, adjusted def- defensive efficiency, excuse me. So that's the thing that we've kind of been discussing over the last, what I would say, nine months is one of the biggest reasons that Kentucky kind of slipped there towards the end of last season was their lack of intensity I guess you could say on the defensive end of the floor part of it was injury part of it was you know just kind of getting 
uh, torn up against some opponents late. I think that you have to appreciate the fact that Kentucky has come out firing on all cylinders, but it's all about peaking in March, right? You would like to see the intensity continue. You would like to see the efficiency continue. There are two games here that are coming up quick that I think are going to be interesting to kind of help us understand where this team is truly at. Because to be honest with you, their overall SOS is not particularly strong. It's actually in the mid-200s, which is obviously in the bottom two-thirds nationally in all of college basketball. There's a game against UCLA that the Wildcats still have to play before uh, the conference slate gets here. And then at the beginning of the SEC slate, Kentucky has to play the Missouri Tigers. We talked about them on yesterday's show as a potential contender in this conference. We wanted to point them out now so that Kentucky does not, as or rather, this podcast fan base does not get caught off guard whenever we have to roll into Columbia on December 28th. That is a really good offensive team. They've not played anybody worth a rip, but that's a really good offensive team. So that's something to note. The best teams in college basketball right now, according to the computers and according to Joe, they are really, really good at defense. The Wildcats are as well. It's another reason why, honestly, and we can tie this back into what we were talking about yesterday, it's another reason why we as fans of Kentucky should not be particularly panicked because we lost two games early in the season. Teams adjust, teams grow. Let's see what happens in the SEC slate. All right, what to take serious here? I think there is one team in particular that no, not a lot of people, I wouldn't say nobody, not a lot of people are talking about, at least in my spheres. And that's the UConn Huskies. The Huskies are 9-0 right now. They're undefeated, and they are currently in the top five in the Kimpom rankings, and they've beaten some quality opponents on top of that. They're about to play at Florida. In fact, at the time of this recording, they just tipped off against the Gators, so we'll have to figure out what happens there. But you look at their schedule so far. They've beaten Oregon, Alabama, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. All four of those teams are on the top 45 uh, on Kimpom. Alabama, obviously, really solid team in uh, this conference here in the SEC. I think we need to be taking the Huskies serious. It'll be hilarious if I cold take myself and uh, they lose at Florida. I was not waiting another two hours to record this podcast, by the way, just to see what happened at that game. Had the, these notes prepped. We're going to keep it rolling. That's the team I think we need to be really watching here outside of Houston. We talked about Houston on yesterday's episode. Look, there are some teams that are really, really good coming out the gates right now. Houston being one of them, UConn being another. Let's take the Huskies serious because that is a team that we all need to be paying attention to in the Big East because the Big East may be having a little bit of a down year outside of maybe Creighton and obviously Villanova kind of doing their thing now that they've let go of Jay Wright. But yeah, pay attention to the Huskies and what they do over these coming weeks. The final thing I want to talk about here, we've talked about what to note, what to take serious, and what to disregard in relation to this bracketology. I think the ACC as a whole, right now, according to, Ken, uh, excuse me, not Ken Palm, Joel Lenardi, he's got five ACC teams in his, uh, in his bracketology, which, to be honest with you, is kind of surprising uh, coming out the gates for, for that conference. They've got three teams inside the top 25 on Ken Palm, that's second worst among Power Six uh, conferences. North Carolina is only in the top 25 right now at 5-4 and four because of where they were to begin the season. Listen, Virginia, I think, obviously, according to, you know, computers and, and the eye test and seeing, you know, what they've actually done on the floor, they looked like the best team in the conference so far. They look good. But in my opinion, I think they're going to take, take a bit of a dip here in the future. Why? Well, I, I, they play Houston this Saturday uh, on December 17th. Houston is essentially the better version 
of uh, of Virginia, to be honest with you, based on how the ACC has collapsed upon itself over the last few years. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to venture a guess that we see something similar this year based on what we've seen for the rest of the league so far over these first few weeks of the season. Virginia is not getting out of this unscathed, uh, in my opinion. We've seen Tony Bennett teams in the past put up uh, not necessarily a serious points per game average, but they've still been really efficient offensively. We saw that national title team weren't the best at lighting up the scoreboard, but they were incredibly efficient, especially from outside the arc. We're seeing similar things this year. So they can be an efficient team. I'm not saying this team isn't good, but I'm saying that you'll probably see them slide a little bit off that two-seed line here in the coming weeks. The conference as a whole does not look strong uh, coming out the gates. I'm, I'm just about writing them off this year, just about doing it. And I know that's kind of dumb to do, uh, considering we saw an eight-seed North Carolina get to the national championship from this conference last year. It's all about what happens in March, right? And people kind of take what happens in March and they kind of blow it up. Same thing with Kentucky. Man, I'm just going to sit here and say, even if an ACC team makes it to the title game, this conference is not as strong as it has been in years past. I'm disregarding the conference as a whole, as a whole. We'll talk about individual teams as they kind of come and go here in the, in the next few weeks. All right. That's what we need to take serious with Bracketology, what we need to disregard, and what we need to note. If you've got any comments on that, you can leave them in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK. I want to talk about Kentucky football because we haven't talked about it in a hot minute. Outside of letting everybody know, hey, by the way, Kentucky's playing Iowa in the Music City Bowl, and it could be fun with Will Levis. Could be fun. Uh, Will Levis is not playing. And after further consideration and a little bit of a deeper dive into what could be going on here, this could be an ugly, and I mean ugly, bowl game. Going to talk about that in just a second. Before we do that, though, want to tell you guys about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post, and you can add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Finishing the year well is important, and finding the right team member might help you choose or help you close 2022 strong and help you set up yourself for a more successful year in 2023. It's simple. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, continuing along here on the Thursday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Kentucky versus Iowa, Music City Bowl. I came out the gate saying that this could be kind of fun, especially considering Iowa sucks and they can't play offense. Well, Will Levis, since that podcast recording, has come out and announced that, as predicted, by the way, by many out there, uh, he is opting out of the Music City Bowl, as he should. You know, he's taken a beating behind that offensive line. We're actually going to get to that in a second. Uh, And I would not want to risk injury if I'm going to be a first-round draft pick just me. So I think that makes sense. I'm, I'm not upset about it at all. But what I think we should be upset about is the product that we're being left with here on the field. So I went, obviously, 
to try and dive into the numbers to kind of help me reconcile with this after Will Levis announced that he was not going to be playing in this game. I'm like, okay, well, surely I can maybe drum up enough to kind of still pose the argument that this could be a fun game, and it still could be in its own twisted way. It's just probably on the surface not going to be entertaining for the casual college football fan. ESPN's FPI, Football Power Index, everybody likes to make fun of it, including everybody's mother, but here I think it's really funny to point out, not just ESPN's FBI, but Vegas across the board thinks that this is a 50-50 matchup. ESPN almost has it dead even, 50.5% in favor of the Wildcats. That's what the Football Power Index has this game predicted at. I mean, we could sit here and talk for hours about the stats that reflect the offensive struggles Both of these teams have had this season, but in interest of saving you time, I'm going to hit some bullet points for you. The quarterback play in this game should be something to watch. Like we mentioned, Will Levis is out. He's opted out. He gone. Uh, Best of luck to him. Really excited to see where he lands. Carolina could be a place of note for him. Uh, That would be exciting to see him with the Panthers. But anyway, Spencer Petras, the starting quarterback for the Iowa Hawkeyes, has been ruled out of this game with an injury. So therefore, Iowa would then churn to the, to the backup, who they have reluctantly gone to, I think, a couple of times this season. They have stuck with Spencer Petras to, despite how terrible he's performed this year for them. Uh, Alex Padilla is the backup, and uh, he announced two days ago, at the time of this recording, it was two days ago, on December 5th, that he was going to be entering the transfer portal. So he got So Spencer Petras, Alex Padilla, Will Levis, all out of this game. So that means we are left with the quarterback matchup of Kaya Sharon for the Wildcats versus either Joe Labus or Carson May. And you may say, Lance, who on earth is Joe Labus or Carson May? To be honest with you, I had no idea who these guys were either until I started digging through articles and interviews with Kirk Ferentz saying, okay, what the crap are we going to do for this ball game? I think it'll be Joe Labus because he's been on the roster a year longer. I had to actually go and dig through 24-7 sports stuff. I had to try and find some things on these kids and what they've done and what they are doing currently while they're at Iowa. Couldn't find a whole lot on either of these guys. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be Joe Labus. It's a six foot five red shirt freshman uh, for the Hawkeyes. Also, I want to point out Carson May is a freshman as well. But again, I think it's going to be Labus because he has a little bit more experience. So that's the quarterback matchup. Sharon, Labus, two backups. Let's get after it. It's going to be a lot of fun. In case you're wondering, by the way, if you want to venture back over to ESPN.com with me, the over-under in this game Normally, you would think that, you know, a college football team is going to score maybe somewhere between 25 to 30 points a game uh, against their opponent. So that would leave an over-under at somewhere between, I don't know, 50 and 65 points maybe if we're trying to get high scoring here. The over-under in this game is at 31 and a half. 31 and a half points combined. That's what Vegas thinks these two teams are going to score in this game. And to be honest with you, I think I may be taking the under. I think I may be taking the under. Vegas also favors Iowa by one. Uh, Again, to go back to what we were talking about a couple days ago, SEC talent wins out. Uh, Mark Stoops is the GOAT, and I think we're going to take this one. I think we're going to take it. Not necessarily fairly uh, handily now that Will Levis is out, but I still think we're going to catch a dub here. But yeah, this game is giving me 2018 Cheese at Bowl Bowl vibes. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the 2018 Cheez-It Bowl was Cal versus TCU. TCU won that game 10-7. to There were combined nine turnovers in that, in that game. Now, I don't think both of these teams are going to be combining for nine turnovers, 
But the fact that Iowa has one of the best defenses in the nation and Kentucky's got a pretty good defense of their own. Again, going up against two backup quarterbacks, uh, don't think it's going to be pretty. On top of that, another bullet point here. Both these teams give up a ton of sacks. I thought it was just Kentucky. You know, I thought Iowa's offense obviously has been absolute, ter- absolutely terrible this season. And I didn't really think about the fact that, you know, maybe one of the most prestigious universities in the Big Ten, on, in, in, like when, whenever you think about the trenches, you know, their, their offensive line's not going to be that bad. No, Kentucky gives up three and a half sacks. Iowa gives up 3.1 a game. So we could be seeing a sack fest of, uh, of these two teams trying to go back and forth uh, punting, which does not bode well for Kentucky because they're going to be playing with their backup punter in this game. So that could be fun. <laughs> so yeah, the, the quarterback play is not going to be great. The offensive lines aren't going to be able to hold up. And on top of that, the most beautiful thing of all, the play calling for both these teams should be a interesting I think is the word that you could use. Offensive coordinator for the Iowa Hawkeyes, Brian Ferentz, is elite. Please, someone clip that. There is no doubt in my mind he is one of the greatest offensive minds that we have seen of this generation. He is absolutely phenomenal at what he does. He is so good, in fact, that the Iowa Hawkeyes are averaging, let me just look right here, yeah, 17.4 points per game. If this were baseball, he would be the greatest coach of all time. Unfortunately, it is not. 17.4 points per game for the Brian Ferentz offense. Whew. That is, uh, that is something special right there. And then you look on Kentucky's side, you know, they're without their quarterback, and on top of that, they're without their OC. Probably for the better, to be honest with you, that Rich Scangarello, geez, is out of this game. But the issue here is Kentucky doesn't really, I think, know right now what they want to do with the play calling. In fact, Mark Stoops said in a press conference recently that the play calling is going to be, quote, a group effort in the game. <laughs> like, I guess it's Vince Morrow that's going to be leading the charge there because he's the only one here that actually has play calling experience. Um, but goodness gracious, Kentucky, you didn't have an idea of what you wanted to do for your bowl after you fired the guy. Like, are we serious? So, it's yeah, it's going to be Brian Ferentz versus the Kentucky coaching staff minus the row C uh, with backup quarterbacks behind offensive lines that can't block. Let's get it. All right, that's going to be awesome. I'll just kind of recap here. This is a tweet from Ross Dellinger that I wanted to kind of run down the little bullet points here. We will be seeing in this game two offenses outside the top 100 in scoring, two top 15 scoring defenses, Iowa's third-string quarterback, Kentucky's backup quarterback, and a few first-string receivers. That over-under is at 31.5. Brother, I would be taking the under if I were a betting man. And if you're a betting man, I would probably encourage you to do that too. So, yeah, these two teams got a lot of patches on their roster. Hey, speaking of patches on the roster that need to be filled, Kentucky should probably be looking in the transfer portal to replace a couple important dudes. You know who I'm talking about. There are three positions I want to talk about in particular here before we get to them, though. I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and professional and amateur league out there from football, basketball, soccer, esports. They've got it all over at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts like this one, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action that is BetOnline where the game starts. 
All right, wrapping up the Thursday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Three positions of need for the Wildcats that we're going to run down here before we head out. Again, we'll remind you guys, if you are this far into the podcast, first of all, really appreciate you. If you're listening on podcast, please leave a review for the show, preferably five stars. It would mean a ton. And if you're watching on YouTube, it would mean a ton if you subscribed as well. Two of these positions are on offense. One of them is on defense. I mean, to be honest with you, you could probably go across the offense here for positions of need, and you could probably go across the defense for positions of need. We're not going to limit this, I think, if we're going to have a discussion, you and me, about what this Kentucky football team needs. We're not going to limit it to just a couple different positions. But for this little segment here, I think there are three really important ones that we have to talk about. First of all, obviously, I think in my opinion, is quarterback. This is not a revelation. This is not some crazy take. Kentucky needs a quarterback, and they need one fast unless they think Dade, uh, Destin Wade or Kaya Sharon is going to be taking over his signal caller next year, uh, which I doubt they would feel comfortable doing. Uh, yeah, they need a quarterback in the portal, and they need one fast. Uh, there are a few different guys that immediately come to mind for me that I think would be really fun to see. One in particular is Austin Reed, the quarterback from Western Kentucky there. He has entered the transfer portal. Uh, one of the big, I, He might have led in the NCAA in passing yards. He certainly did when he was at West Florida before he transferred to the Hilltoppers a couple of years ago. Really solid player. You could arguably say that he's a bit of a system quarterback because of the stepping stones that he's taken every single place he's been at. It's just been at, at a place where there was really, really good offense consistently for a really long time. So maybe there's pause there. DJ Uyunglele. I really hope I pronounced his name correctly from Clemson is also somebody you could be looking at. There's Hudson Hudson Card. There's um there's the kid from NC State, Devin Leary. Almost forgot his name there. So yeah, Kentucky's got plenty of options. If they want to go out there and they want to find a solid quarterback, they just have, actually have to go and get him. They just gotta go and say, Hey, you're yours. Come on down. So yeah, I think that quarterback is definitely, I think, the biggest position of need here. I think a lot of you would agree with that. The second position I want to talk about is running back. So Chris Rodriguez is going to be gone, right? So that would leave you, Lavelle Wright and Jutah McLean, really in the backfield as your two primary guys. I'm going to be honest with you. I think those guys are solid, uh, but I would love to see Kentucky get a third option in the transfer portal, just kind of shore things up with that depth chart and that rotation there. Uh, Not a whole lot of really talented running backs in the portal based on what I've seen, but I definitely think we're going to see some inter- as the uh, as the months come along here, uh, the, there's a running back in particular that I that I think I believe Trey Sanders for Alabama would be somebody that I think the uh, the Wildcats would be interested in picking up. I'm not saying that there's mutual interest. I'm just saying that that would be a solid piece to add if they were to add it. So I think running back and quarterback that that duo in the backfield they got to find somebody to replace both Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez if they want to keep things afloat. Uh, you could talk about all we could talk about offensive line forever. Uh, but that is not included because I wanted to add here somebody or some position group, excuse me, on the defensive side of the ball. You could go D-line. I'm going to go linebacker. I'm going to go linebacker here. Obviously, Kentucky, a ton of experience uh, with inside and outside linebacker. J.J. Weaver probably going to be gone. DeAndre Square is going to be gone. Jordan Wright's going to be out of here. Uh, all those guys really, really talented. Uh, some, it's a prestigious group right there prestigious position group for the Wildcats. They're going to need somebody to kind of step up for them. Maybe bring in a grad transfer, maybe bring in somebody with experience. So while you kind of rotate things around there, you kind of have somebody that you can lean on, someone you can rely on. Very similar to uh, Keydron Smith transferring in at that cornerback spot for the Wildcats this season. Yeah, I think that you could definitely see 
uh, Kentucky go and pick up a linebacker in the transfer portal. So those, I think, are the three of the biggest positions of need. Man, I cannot speak today. Three of the biggest positions of need for Kentucky in the transfer portal. If you have any opinions on what else Kentucky needs to get, maybe they need to get a kicker. That could be a possibility as well. Uh, You can leave it in the YouTube comments below. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. You can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, you can leave them in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for a preview of the Yale game. Also going to have Andy Patton of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast on. See you all then. God bless.